So, uh, this morning, does everybody know it's Palm Sunday yet? I think I may have mentioned that three or four times. And you all have your palms, right? Uh Uh-oh. I see somebody in the back who is not waving his palms. I need you to, we're going to use them in a minute. Um, Our text this morning is John chapter 12. John chapter 12 and verses 12 to 18. So if you have your Bibles, you can open there, or uh, we have the text up there for you. The next day, a great crowd had come for the festival and heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And it would have sounded like this. Hoshienu, Baruch Bashem Adonai. Blessed is the King of Israel. Baruch Atah Hamelech Israel. That's what they would have been shouting. And Jesus found a donkey and sat on it as it is written. Do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See, your king is coming seated on a donkey's colt. And at first, his disciples did not understand all of this. Only after Jesus had been glorified, the disciples, only after Jesus was glorified, did they realize that these things had been written about and that these things had to be done to him. Now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead, continued to spread the word. And many people, because they had heard that he had performed a great sign, went out to meet him. Pray with me. Father, thank you for the gift of Jesus. Because in him we seek you. And yet so many times, Lord, the things that we experience in the world, the things of our own life, sometimes eclipse the glory of Jesus. And we miss those moments when he's so powerfully present in our lives. And so we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would open our hearts and our minds to your word this morning. That is the very presence of Jesus to us by the Holy Spirit. That we might receive all that you are. That we might make much of you, Jesus. And celebrate and sing our own hosannas. That all might know that the Messiah has come. In the person of Jesus. In whose name we pray. Amen. So this morning we're going to continue, though, our uh, sermon series, which is Heavenly Effective Through Earthly Relevance. Now I have these things. I don't know where to put them. You know, we all have different expectations of what the effects of salvation will have on our life. Most of us as Christians, you know, we know that when we receive the grace of Jesus for us, he forgives our sins and our eternal destination, heaven, is is sealed in Christ. We'll be with him in heaven. But what does that salvation look like now? Does it mean we just wait to the end, and muddle through? Some days it feels like that. 
And that's what we're going to look at in Scripture today and see what's happening. You know, there were three convicts, and these convicts were exiled to the desert so that they would be away from society. But they each got to take one personal item with them to the desert. The first man said, I want a skin full of water. In case I should thirst, I won't die. And the second man said, I would like a loaf of bread in case I should get hungry, I won't die. And the third man said, I would like a car door, please, so that when it gets too hot, I can roll down the window. We all have different expectations of what salvation will look like and what will save us, as did the folks in our gospel reading this morning. You see, heaven, we've been talking about heaven. Heaven at its most basic is where the presence and the glory of God reign and they come to dwell, right? And wherever God is and heaven unfolds, right, that's where salvation happens and it breaks in. Heaven follows. And so this morning, we see Jesus coming to Jerusalem, but we need to understand the backstory. There's a lot going on here. Now, Jesus had been coming down from Galilee for quite some days. He's been teaching and healing and preaching all the way down for probably a few weeks. And he's coming to celebrate the Passover Right? This is a pilgrim feast. Everyone in Israel had to come to, uh, to Jerusalem to celebrate Passover. It's called one of the pilgrim feasts. And this feast lasted for seven days, and there's sacrifices, and there's prayers. It, it's a huge thing. It was the biggest event of the year for Israel, Passover. And so Jesus is there with his disciples, but on his way, he stops. The city is crowded with pilgrims, and so he stays outside the city about 12 to 15 miles uh, in a little town called Bethside, or, uh, Bethany or Bethphage, right? And this is where Mary and Martha and Lazarus live, right? And many of you know this story. This is when Lazarus was sick, and they called Jesus to come quickly, come straight away, and Jesus didn't because he knew what his father was going to do by the time Jesus shows up, Lazarus has died, and everyone is beside themselves. And Jesus prays his great prayer to his father, and Lazarus is resurrected from the dead. Right? Well, now everyone who thought, this guy might is a great prophet, he's doing all these great things, he raised someone from the dead. Could this be the Messiah? Could this be the one that Israel has been waiting for and longing for? And so the next day, as John tells us, the whole crowd follows him and whispers become rumors and rumors become acclamations and they shout, Hoshienu, Hoshienu. Right. So let's look at that word for a second. Hosanna. Hosanna comes from, again, from this uh, Hebrew word, hoshienu. And it means save us now. 
Now, we sing it like it's an anthem, but it's really a cry for salvation, right? Save us now. It's emphatic. If the kids were texting it, it would be in all caps. They're screaming this, right? Save us now. And over time, it becomes not just a cry, but it also becomes a shout of faith. We can shout, save us to God who is faithful to the Messiah, and he'll do it. So much so that this uh, becomes part of a song that David writes. And if you look in Psalm 118, uh, verses 25 to 29, you see it. It's that first part, uh, that first uh, passage there, verse 25. Lord, save us. Lord, grant us success. Lord, save us. It would be Hoshienu. Lord, grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. From the house of the Lord we bless you. The Lord is God, and he made his light to shine on us. With bows in our hands, right? These guys. With bows in hand, join the festal procession up to the altar, to the horns of the altar. You are my God, and I will praise you. You are my God, and I will exalt you. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. So this, the whole, that's just the end of the psalm, but this whole psalm becomes part of the worship that happens, both at Passover and at another festival. There's a festival called Sukkot. Can you say that word? Sukkot. Sukkot. Oh, let's say it together. Sukkot. Hey, there's some folks that are awake. Uh, Sukkot is also what we know as the festival of booths or tabernacles. Okay? This is really um, a festival of, of um, harvest, really. And so you all know that Israel is a pretty dry place, right? It's a desert. It's kind of Sahara baking sand desert and just sand for miles around hot, over 100 degrees, just baking down, 120, 130 degrees sometimes. And there's some high desert, but nonetheless, it's desert. And if there isn't enough rain, famine breaks out over the land. They have, a sh- they have great sun, but the growing season is short because there's so little rain. And so in this feast of harvest, literally, they sing... St- then they shout, save us, Lord. Send rain. Because if they didn't have rain, first of all, there's not a lot of fresh water in Israel. Many people dehydrated and many died. But they also starved because there was no crops. To, the, the crops wouldn't grow up and they, would, uh, they wouldn't have anything to eat. And also the animals died. The animals drank far much more water and they ate far much more food than the people. And so you see this over and over again in the Old Testament where there's a famine in the land, right? This is, was when Joseph uh, became uh, head of Egypt. And there was a famine in the land. And so these are great times when the whole of the people of Israel rise up and they say, save us, Lord. And they're praying for rain. So at this festival, they take in their hands uh, what they call the four species, right? That would be a palm branch, a willow branch, and there's two others. And they would gather them together like this, and they would sing Hoshienu. This is where you can grab yours. 
If you grab your palm for a second, if you've got more than one, grab it. And everyone, everyone to be silent for a second. And just shake them like this. A little harder so you can hear it. If you shake it like that, and you've got thousands of people doing this, it sounds just like rain. It sounds like soft rain. And so they would shake them, or they would beat them on the ground. And they would say, Hoshienu, Hoshienu, send rain. That's where Hosanna comes from. Now, it became part, again, it became a worship song in the time of David. And that's what they're quoting. Right? Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Because salvation doesn't mean rain now in the time of Jesus. The Romans have oppressed and conquered the land of Israel. And so when they see the Messiah, hey, healing Lazarus or raising Lazarus from the dead and healing all these people, that's great. But what we want the Messiah to do is to free us from Rome. Get these guys off our back. Make Israel great and prosperous. Fill our coffers again. Fill our land with peace, the land flowing with milk and honey that kings and queens would come from far away and visit us and claim how great Israel is. Right? That's what they were looking for when they thought he was the Messiah. Right? And so even by that time, the palm branch becomes a symbol of Israel. So now it's not just a cry for rain, but it's a sign that Israel is great and that the Lord is visiting his people again. It's a a symbol of their nation. It's even on early coins. Here's the problem. That's not what Jesus came to do. That's not the kind of salvation that Israel needed. It's not the kind of salvation that the world needed. Right? And there are all of these humble people, the people that get healed, the people that have gotten delivered, the people who have received the power of God in their life to save them that are following Jesus too. But the crowds overwhelm them and they make it into this big deal. Rome, the officials get worried. The priests of the temple get worried, and that's when they begin to think, we've got to do something about this guy, Jesus. Because he's now a threat. The people are putting their trust in him to be their king again, their leader. So, are we that different always, though, from these people? I know that many times in my life, I'm not. I'm looking for salvation in a certain way. You know, salvation is not just about going to heaven when you die. That's part of it. That's an amazing part of it. We would never get there. We would never be able to enjoy God's presence. And that's what Pastor Mike has been talking about, the doctrine what, it, what heaven means, what's it going to be like. But that mission statement of this church is heavenly effective through earthly relevance. 
There's two ends to that. How do we get to participate in this thing? Right? Lest we miss it, like many. So this crowd that cries, Hosanna, Hosanna to the Son of David, basically, Hosanna to the Messiah, the awaited one of Israel since the beginning. Hosanna in five days is going to be the same crowd that chants, crucify him, crucify him. Right? There's just a few, even the disciples, many of them, not that they lacked faith, but they're so confused and they don't understand what's happening and they end up running away and hiding. That's happened in my life. Where I've received salvation in Jesus, but there's so much going on inside of me and in the world that is confusing. What am I supposed to do? Where am I supposed to go? What about this thing or these people in my life? And I've been praying and I've been waiting for healing or for my relationship, my marriage, or my kids, or for a job, or for this economic issue. And Lord, if you would just do it, right? And God has this huge, enormous inheritance and blessing for us. And yet we're looking over here on this side because we're looking for it to come in a certain way. We're saying, we want you to be our Messiah. We want you not only to save us, but we want you to heal us and redeem us and bring your kingdom, your reign into our life. The reign of God where the king rules. We want that in our life, but we're looking for it over here in a certain way. And we miss all of this stuff over here. Right? That's the invitation of Palm Sunday. That we would, first of all, praise the Lord and recognize the Messiah, which is grace itself. Because the mercy and compassion of God to us in Jesus is that he always, always, always answers our cries for salvation with his presence. With his reign and rule in our life. Now, salvation, there's a, another word called sozo. It's a Greek word, sozo. It means, we translate it salvation. But it has a bigger meaning than that. We think of, in, in English, in an American world, we think salvation. Oh, that's when you pray a prayer. God, heal, heal, uh, God forgives all of your sins, and you go to heaven. You get to be with God when you, when you die, Right? That's part of sozo, salvation. But it's just the doorway. It's just the entryway. It begins now. And sozo means a whole restoration. It means every part of you, not just your destination, but you are saved head to toe. That your relationship with God, your complete experience of God is reunited. There's no separation from you and God anymore by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so, the grace of God to us is not just salvation, heaven when we die, 
But the grace of God to us is that we are being changed more and more into God's image from glory to glory. Bjorn agrees with me. He's getting excited about what I'm saying. That's, I'm claiming that. That's agreement. This is what Second Corinthians says. For the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So all of us who have had the veil removed can see the Spirit, excuse me, can see and reflect the glory, the presence, the reign of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. Other translations say that we are changed from glory to glory. I don't know about you, but I need change in my life. I've been following Jesus since I was a a little kid. But I still need so much change in my life. There's so much more room for God to reign in me, to reign in my life and the people around me and the circumstances. Even this morning, man, I had a week preparing this sermon. I've preached for a while and uh, I'm a pastor. I haven't had so much spiritual opposition writing and preparing a sermon and a message as I've had this week and I don't know why. But the grace of God was that he said, don't worry about the problem. This is a great opportunity. You and I get to press through. You get to figure out what it looks like to stand in authority when I give you a message, right? So instead of looking at the problem, instead of saying, hey, Lord, I want this sermon and I want it written by Thursday so Robin can print everything off for me on time. If I was, and, and that's kind of how I started out and I had to worship my way through that a couple of times this week so that I could learn a, an amazing new thing. It's like message, we got that taken care of, don't worry. Right? But once I pressed in to what God had for me, there was, I had a breakthrough. Right? I mean, that's a very small thing. You know, also in my life, uh, Stacy and I were pastoring and, and doing ministry and stuff out in Washington State. That's my wife, Stacy, over there. Uh, she's great. She probably won't come up uh, and introduce herself to you because uh, she's just humble that way and kind of quiet. But if you ever want to know her, just go say hi to her. She's awesome. Uh, the Lord kind of was shutting things down for us in Washington. And we ended up selling our house. We didn't know where we were going. The Lord said, I don't care. I'm going to show you the place. I want you to put your house up for sale. And my mother has a house here. Uh, in Norwood that she is not in in the winter. And so she said, why don't you come here for the winter? And we're like, oh, what about jobs? What about money? What about, you know, where are we really going to live? We can't even bring our cat in the house or the cat lives in the garage and, you know, all of these things, little things. And for both Stacy and I, we came in the late October. October and November... In December, we're just, what are you doing, Lord? And I'm sending out applications, hundreds, hundreds. Well, over 100, not more than 100. 
over a hundred applications and resumes. And I'm like, I mean, I know I'm not great, but I'm employable, right? What's going on, Lord? And I was so fixed on my salvation now, what God's doing in my life, what his reign looks like is me getting a job, that I missed a whole fall, a whole beautiful season of maybe what God was doing. And so finally, Stacy and I just started worshiping. We just made it a worship appointment with one another and with the Lord, and we started worshiping. And I can't tell you, we've had renewal in our life like I haven't experienced in a long time. I am worshiping all the time because of this. The Lord says, I want to show you my love. Don't worry about the other stuff. The other stuff is just add-on. I want you to receive it. I want you to give it. I want you to talk about it. My love, my love. And that's where the authority is. If you haven't received the love of God and you don't have a witness, you don't have a story to tell about the love of God in your life, what it's doing now, it's great. If you had a story, a witness, a testimony back in the day, that's good. Start there. But I want to ask you, what is going on right now in your life? What's your testimony of God's love changing you? Or start with the beginning. The beginning of a testimony is crying out, save me, Lord. It's confessing, I need this in my life. Maybe my marriage is falling apart or I'm just having difficulty. Or maybe there's something going on with one of my kids and it's breaking my heart. Or maybe it is a job. Or maybe it is finances. Or maybe it's health, a health issue you've just been battling and you've received healing, prayer for healing over and over again and nothing is happening. I'll tell you this. The first thing is we've got to confess that. Don't become callous. Don't lose hope. Don't get tired. When you do, ask somebody to lift your hands up. Because that is the beginning of our testimony. That is the beginning of receiving God's love is when we say, I need it. Most of the world is not going to say, I need God's love. I'm good. I've got a house. I've got two cars. I've got retirement. I'm pretty saved. I'm a good person. Right? And I believe in Jesus. Right? That last part gets tacked on at the end. But the truth is, we're not good. We're missing it. We're singing Hosanna all over the place and saying he's our Lord. But he's got so much more for us. Again, the grace of God to us is that whenever we ask for salvation, Jesus answers. Whenever we ask for his reign in our life, Jesus answers. The key to becoming heavenly effective and earthly relevant is to practice the presence of the living God and to be changed into his image. That's what was going on in Israel. The living God come down in the person of Jesus, the Messiah, who became a human being to redeem all creation to obliterate every barrier between humankind and God. 
Right? We saw that in Revelation 21 last week. And it begins, there's nothing more effective about you than when you're receiving heaven. In Israel, it was happening, and many of them missed it. The good news is, 50 days later at Pentecost, they get another chance. They get another chance. To be heavenly effective and earthly relevant means to be, uh, means to be a person like Mary Magdalene, right? Who knows that she's a mess eight ways from Sunday, and she goes and throws herself at the feet of Jesus and receives everything. Pick your favorite. The, the Samaritan woman at the well, Zacchaeus, the uh, blind Bartimaeus, the crazy guy on the side of the road saying, Son of David, Son of David, have mercy on me. All those guys. They get in on the secret, on the front end. The disciples, it takes them a little longer. They get it, but it takes them a little longer. Today, Hosanna is an invitation to receive the Messiah. What is the breakthrough for you? And that's what we're going to spend our time in ministry on at the end of our worship today. Because we are meant to live with God in heavenly places, not in earthly places. Often we resign ourselves to live on an earthly plane and try to get to heaven every once in a while. We get a little touch of the Lord, get a little truth, come back to church. We work, we're working hard, right? That's being earthly bound and trying to get to heaven. That is not what Scripture says. Ephesians 2, 4-7, But because of His great love for us, who is rich in mercy, made alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions, it is grace, excuse me, it is by grace you have been saved. And here's the key. And God raised us up. He raised you up and you up and you up and you and you. If you are in Christ, God raised us up with Christ and we are seated with him. We're not going there. We're seated now with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Six is heavenly relevance. Uh, that Verse six. Seven is earthly effective. Uh, excuse me. Six is heavenly effective and seven is earthly relevant. We are raised up in the heavenlies, and in seven, we get to show the rest of the ages the, the incomparable riches of his grace expressed to us in the kindness, the faithful, loving kindness of God in Jesus Christ. So, as Christians, we don't live from earth to heaven. Do you get that? We don't live here and try to get there. As a matter of fact, we do do that all the time. And it is hard, and it is tiresome, and it gets discouraging, and it gets heavy. But the grace of God, this is what the Holy Spirit does so well, he's awesome at this, is he helps us live from heaven to earth. To become who we are in Christ just by receiving it, 
just by opening ourselves up to it, and then he changes us, right? And we go from heaven, we live from heaven to earth. So what happens when we are longing, needing more heaven, more of God's transforming presence, his reign in our lives, when we're confused, distracted, attacked by the enemy, weighed down by the world, our own flesh, our own humanity, what do we do? We grab our spiritual palm branches. We start shaking them. And we say, Hoshienu, save me, Lord. We enter into God's cleansing and transforming presence. Right? His presence. We don't just think about him. We don't just do good Bible study. That's helpful. Don't get me wrong. Don't hear what I'm not saying. But we enter into his presence through worship and the word, through prayer, or through letting other people lift us up when we're too tired. And we continue to do it until transformation happens, until our breakthrough comes. That's also, by the way, why we need one another, why God calls us into community together. So now, uh, Jackie, if you want to come up. We're going to end there. We're going to open the altar and have altar ministry time. Um, what is the breakthrough that you need today? You've been thinking about it. I've asked that question three or four times now. Whatever's popping into your head, that's it. Could seem small. Could seem big. Could be the thing you're discouraged about. You just don't want to go there this morning. Sorry, the Holy Spirit's going there with you. Actually, I'm not sorry. I'm actually kind of excited about it. What's the breakthrough you need? Here's the second question. What are you so focused on? What does your vision of that look like? That you're holding so tightly on, you might miss what's going on on the other side. So there's two things that I think that the Holy Spirit is inviting us to. It's to confess the breakthrough that we need. Don't hide it. Listen, today's the day. Why wait? Jesus didn't come, die on a cross this week, defeat sin and death, and get raised from the dead so that we can keep putting off his love in our life. He doesn't want you to go another day oppressed, depressed, discouraged, anxious, doubting, lonely, afraid. That's not the power of Christ. That's not the love of God. So today, if that's you, you need a breakthrough, we're going to open up the altar and just ask that you would come forward. Or if that's too much for you, just raise your hand and folks will gather around you and pray for you. Here's the key. When we pray, the biggest thing is for you to open yourself to receive what God is saying. As we surround you and lift you up, we're just praying with the Holy Spirit, right? We're just praying along. It's not our words that do anything. It's God who has something for you, so receive that. Here's another thing. The Holy Spirit might be quickening to you, maybe about five of you, that there's something you're holding on to. And you know how you can tell if it's the wrong thing? It might seem good. If it's the wrong thing, it's producing the wrong fruit. 
The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. Thank you, Bible school teachers. If you aren't experiencing those things, if you're saying, Lord, I want healing over this thing, and you've gotten frustrated and bitter and confused and weighed down, that's a good sign that that's not where God's leading you. And you just say, I don't know what it's supposed to look like, Lord, but all I know is I need you. I'm going to lay down what I want, and I'm going to receive your love. We start there, receiving the love of God. Here's the promise of Christ to us. That he who began a good work in you, I don't care how long you've been saved, how long you've known the Lord, he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion all the way through. I've never met a person that was half saved, have you? Just maybe on their way, but not half. God doesn't do that all the way. He will bring it to completion in Christ Jesus. So come forward if that's you. Raise your hand if that's you and receive the love of God. We're going to worship. We're going to open up the altar. Why don't you join me in prayer? Jesus, we desperately need you. We need more of you in our lives in ways that we don't even understand yet. We need your love, your grace, your healing, your freedom, your peace, your joy. Holy Spirit, would you give us the boldness, the courage, at the same time the humility to declare our need to you this morning. We just take authority over the enemy, any lies, any discouragement, any intimidation that says, no, it's not you. You're not good enough yet to receive that. The Lord doesn't love you that way. That is a lie in the name of Jesus. It's for you and it's now. So come, Holy Spirit. Transform us. Set your reign free in us that we would be changed. for your glory, for our good in Christ. Amen. So I'm going to dismiss us this morning with a blessing, but the altar's still open. I'll, I'll stay up here. My wife, Stacy, anybody else that feels led to pray, receive this blessing. May the Lord of heaven and earth, Jesus the Messiah, the King of heaven and earth, fill you through and through with his powerful love that you might experience heaven this week and that people on earth would see the good works of your Father and give praise to him. In Jesus' name, amen.